With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From Auburn University, The correct Jordan Hare Stadium time is 8.45 p.m. Central Standard Time. Your digital audio device is tuned into the Orange and True podcast. Harvard by CollegeOfMagnolia.com. Greetings and salutations, Orange and Truthers. It is I, Drew Croson, coming to you well-rested. Not. Because daylight savings time is a joke once you have children. At Crow 2 on Twitter, at Crow on Venmo a.k.a. the complaint department. To one side of me is the rumor monger Ryan Starrett at Ryan S. Starrett. The S is for six touchdowns on Sunday? We scored six? Schwartz catching a deep ball. Did we score six times? Uh, seven times. Seven times. Now we're talking. We just missed the point. I wasn't a math major. To the other side of me, giving you full Fort Payne ASMR, the kind you pay a lot for. Doing it to your ear and your eardrums, the AU chief. Come on, baby. Do the magic hand thing. I don't get that reference. It's from season one of uh, The Mandalorian. It's Grief Karga, a.k.a. Apollo Creed. <laughs> ah. You got a stew going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ryan, there was a television show called Arrested Development, and in it, they had Carl Weathers show up. <laughs> to randomly say things like, oh, come on now, you got a stew going. <laughs> and make people say random bones left over in their, ho- in their hotel meals so they can make a stew. Um, I'll take your word for it. You got, <laughs> Ryan, have you not seen Arrested Development? I have not. Uh, Netflix, man. Yeah, man. Don't watch the newer Netflix seasons unless you're just a completionist. But... Definitely, season one and two of Arrested Development are maybe the best seasons of television ever made. The, the first Netflix season's fine. Uh, I sort of got bogged down watching the second and never finished it. So. The second, I, I never even started it because a buddy of mine who I trust was like, dude, did you like the newest Indiana Jones movie? <laughs> good boy. <laughs> That's not a good I'm comparison. I'm shows right now. I, I just finished Community, and uh, I think I'm going to start Fargo. I'm watching The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. It is delightful before uh before you get uh too into uh uh whatever you're going next watch what we do in the shadows it's, it's only hilarious hilarious it's great it's uh it's uh taika watiti of uh, uh Rack Rack right? Rack. yeah and it is it's, ex- it's excellent you uh you'll enjoy it uh it'll take you maybe you know a week if you're watching you know one or two episodes, the episodes are like a half hour aren't they yeah, they're like 22 minutes. Yeah. It's so funny, man. And the movie is good, too. I still haven't watched the movie. It's I really good. want to watch it. Is it's it got, the movie before? The movie was before, and they based yeah, the TV show. It was like 2012, I think, yeah. is when they made the movie. Jermaine Clement um, of The Final yeah. Concords. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. He's made the movie and then wrote the show. Like the show is right. his deal. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. Him and uh, Watiti are, are good buds from down there in Kiwiland. Speaking of which, been, uh, huge, uh, huge win for the All Blacks in the Bledisloe Cup. If you watch mm-hmm. that on Saturday night, anybody else got the adrenaline high from the LSU game still going, stayed up to watch a little bit of All Blacks, <laughs> Australia soccer, uh, Australia rugby, you and I get along because that was a good one. Um, yeah, the All Blacks are a great, a great watch. If you haven't, if you haven't watched rugby, that's a good place to start. It's just figure out when they're playing and watch them on ESPN Plus. Worth the price of ESPN Plus. All right, I've got a cousin that got really into that uh, via a, the Amazon documentary. Dude, that's a great way. So the Amazon documentary on the All Blacks called All or Nothing: The All Blacks, and then they have an Amazon History of Rugby. Mm. You watch those two things. You're in. You're caught up. You can go ahead and watch it. <laughs> You're now into rugby. Right. Um, Auburn soccer. This is a soccer podcast after all. Got a 1-0 victory over the LSU Fighting Tigers today. That is two football wins over LSU in one weekend, you guys. Bad time to be a, be a Tiger. It's a good time to be an Auburn Tiger. I mean, look, that's right. We're, we're talking. You offense struggling again. Yeah, I mean Auburn scored in the ninety third minute, Chief, at the death, as they say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, huge, huge win. Corey Loxley with the goal. Um, Auburn now still undefeated, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, no, they lost to. This That's was, right. This they lost the, to Arkansas. The get back game. They lost to Arkansas. So Auburn has one loss. They lost two one to Arkansas on Friday at Arkansas, um, and then one today. They play the Tide. Um, yeah, play the Tide on Friday. So if you are in town, head on over to the soccer complex at six p.m. or watch on that on the SEC Network Plus. Um, Auburn will play in Alabama in the Iron Bowl of Soccer, and then Monday playing in Bryan College Station against Texas A&M. So, quick turnaround. That is four games in 11 days that Auburn's playing. We'll just win them all. Well, we already lost one of them, Ryan, but... Oh, I didn't know that one was part of the 11 yeah, days. Yeah, that was part of them. them. So, but, but Auburn has... Uh, I mean, being undefeated, being having only one loss has got to have the team riding pretty high. And the only loss they had was at number six, Arkansas. Arkansas is a really strong team. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, there's nothing, no reason for those ladies to hang their heads after, after that. And, uh, yeah, let's beat Alabama. How about that? Let's beat Alabama and go to, go down to A&M and beat those jokers too. Cause I, mean, I really don't like them either. Is that three more games? Two. Dose. Two. And then, and then the SEC tournament. That's right. That's right. Because mm-hmm. it was four last week, and now we've played two. Gotcha. Yep. Math. Yep. So Auburn was number 15 prior to the loss um, in the SC rankings, USC rankings. Not ranked in top drawer, which is ridiculous. Like, you're talking about a team that at the time had zero losses and was not ranked in the – Top door soccer rankings. Um, what do they know? Yeah, I, it's whatever. It's whatever. And like, the team has not gotten the respect it needs. Like, 
the the teams that it's beaten, and um, like I said, only only having one loss and it was a road loss. I I think it's crazy that they're not ranked higher actually. Um, so yeah, they're still fifteenth as of the today, according to the show the, to the notes, the game notes, and still not ranked from top drawer. So top drawer not respecting us guys. Cowards. We if should have someone from top, top Drawer on to talk. If you're listening to this podcast, you should figure out what Top Drawer Soccer's Twitter account is, and just we should just hammer those dudes. <laughs> Send the Orange and True Army after them. Dozens of us. There, there are dozens of us. <laughs> See, Ryan, you understand an Arrested Development <laughs> yeah. reference. I don't know if y'all going to pick up on that. Look at that. All right. Well, let's talk. Let's go take a quick commercial break, actually, because I want to get I want a, a long segment coming up. We're going to go Mandalorian talk because we have the AU chief here with us, and then we're going to go straight from that into talking about um, a a dominant like um, Death Star versus Alderaan type game, Auburn versus <laughs> LSU, Star Wars reference. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And we're back. Only eight minutes and 35 seconds elapsed in this podcast. Took a break. Come back. We want you to have the most music for your money. That's what the radio station used to say. We're going to get the lead out. Ryan, radio was this thing that you used to listen to uh, back in the day before we had smartphones and podcasts. And Chief, did you ever have... Is that what all those buttons in my car are for? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Did you have a... Um, <laughs> Did you have a radio station that used to play like two or three Led Zeppelin songs in an hour? And they used to uh, say, yeah. getting the lead out. Yeah, yeah. 96X. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're the uh, the classic rock. Well, I think 102.9 here, uh, well, out of Columbus, here in Auburn, uh, does that. They get the lead out. Or they yeah, used to. It's 102.9. I used to. Ryan, could you name a radio station? In the Auburn, Alabama area. Sure, ninety four three wings. Oh, okay. All right. That's a that's listen to more radio than you think. There's a okay. there's a country station. One hundred six seven the ESPN channel. Although not as much now that uh, they dropped a boy Ferguson Painter, but yeah, yeah. I used to listen to ninety five three, which was uh, Kissing Country Legends, but that was out of the Grange, I think. They turned into R and B station last year though, so just. Full 180 pivot on the, on the content there. I had my favorite radio station growing up um, was a Q104 out of Gadsden, the uh, original home of Rick and Bubba um, before they moved to Birmingham. And well, anyway, uh, <laughs> and it um, it was great. And then one day they decided to go disco. That was their thing for like a, a whole year and a half. Oh, man. Uh, and it was – because it was pop before that, pop and rock, which 
rock used to be pop music back in the day. It's not so much anymore. Uh, and then, yeah, then it was disco for a couple of years and my stepmom absolutely hated that. So then we started listening to the country, uh, which is not my favorite, but didn't know disco was big in Gaston. I don't know why it, it, it was like seventies disco. Uh, yeah, it was mostly just disco. It was, it was not great. Although I, I did, uh, develop a taste for Casey and the sunshine band at that point. So of course. Of course. <laughs> but I digress. Uh, Mandalorian? <laughs> That's the name of this podcast, is but I digress. Um, Mandalorian, <laughs> we want to talk a bit about this. Do we think that is episode one, season two, the best single hour of Star Wars content produced since 1977? Because <laughs> it might be. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, that the opening of this season uh, did, definitely did not disappoint. Uh, it was basically an Elmore Leonard novel set in the Star Wars universe, which was pretty cool. Uh, right down to having one of his characters, Raylan Givens, right there on set. So uh, yeah, he was just playing the same character, right? Like there was no, no uh, change. I mean, he was a marshal, uh, just just putting on some cool armor and calling it good. He's basically playing Timothy Oliphant, I believe, is what was yeah. happening there. <laughs> Yeah, which anybody who yeah. who's watches The Good Place, Tim Oliphant plays himself in The Good Place as well. And it is oh, does he? Amazing. Oh, like the judge of great. all things has a huge crush on Timothy Oliphant. And so <laughs> they, they have him show up to like sway her judgment. That's anyway, funny. spoiler alert for The Good Place. Worth the watch. Yeah, I should, I should watch that. It's, it's super, super smart. Once after season two kind of, lags in the middle but at the end of season two going on it is super super good all right so i think that the the mandalorian so far has been like in my opinion exactly what new star wars stuff should be sure prestige television hour long or 45 minute long episodes where a guy goes in, cool planet, does something cool, episode's over. Yeah. I think trying to... You can tell it's still related to the Star Wars movies, but it's not right. any, at all related to the stories. And I and like the rumors about what's happening next or whatever, or the characters introduced, I'm actually bummed about because I like the fact that we have no character overlap whatsoever from the first films or the sequel films. I like that we're kind of in this other place, doing yeah. this other thing on this other on these other planets. Yeah, yeah, you're not Those alone. Those could be the same. You don't know. Probably are the same. You're, you're not alone. There, there's a lot of uh, star, pretty hardcore Star Wars fans that sort of feel the same way, and and I, I'm in the same boat in that uh, when when Disney bought it, uh, I, I did get excited about them continuing the um, the the trilogy the skywalker saga whatever you want to call it and um because the principles were involved but then once they sort of weren't uh, really involved then it became obvious that well they should have just gone and done their own thing set set something in their your own little corner of the the yeah. universe and, and the, the way the mandalorian works though is it's set at a time that we're familiar with like 
Um, it, it's close enough to the end of the star, the original three movies that we're familiar mm-hmm. with that that space in Star Wars and. Um, there are i know a a lot of people that are concerned like you are with the introduction of these characters um from other uh other mediums like the the cartoons uh but i'm willing to give it a go and i I mean i'm kind of excited about it um there's one in particular i'm not that excited about but it's not because i don't like the character it's just that um i'm not sure how it's going to look in live action you really bringing Jar Jar back? Yeah, man. It's, and, and he's it, it's it's going to be an actual person though this time. Darth Jar Jar. <laughs> yeah. Well, is it the Mandalorian Jar Jar? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh man, that would be hysterical, dude. That would be. I would I would literally stand up in my living room and applaud if all of a sudden <laughs> the last episode takes his helmet off and his Jar Jar rings. Uh. Right. Yeah, it, Darth Jar Jar, uh, I don't know if you know this, was – there's an internet rumor that the reason why the prequels are so bad is because initially Jar Jar Binks is supposed to be this idiot savant. And at the very end, it's going to be revealed that Jar Jar Binks was actually the Sith Lord that was controlling everything, including the Emperor. He was the Emperor's master, but – after the first episode one came out and the backlash was so great, Lucas then wrote him into being this, this moron character and wrote him off basically wrote, wrote him off the show. But his his part was supposed to continue to grow and he was supposed to be like the like he's supposed to look like an idiot, but in the behind the scenes he is really evil. I mean, he's the one that uh, gives the this uh, Chancellor Palpatine. Uh, the emergency powers. He votes exactly. to give him emergency powers. <laughs> I, I I remember being in a theater for that and, and being like, God, Jar Jar really does suck. <laughs> <laughs> Jar Jar blows it again. All right, well, that was good. Is he the Bo Pelini of the Star Wars universe? Gosh, <laughs> Ryan, that's great. It's a great segue. <laughs> Bo Pelini is Jar Jar, is the Jar Jar Binks of the SEC. Um, actually, no, because Bo Pelini had a lot of success at LSU, right? At one point, he was uh, really yeah, good. Jar Jar, um, Jar Jar helped save a planet. Yeah, I guess yeah he did true. in some things, and then yeah, I'm not Bruce as Brothers. into my Star Wars as some, but <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not you're not all the way up on your Jar Jar lore. I'm not all the way Jar Jar lore. I just know a couple of hilarious theories, but the um. <laughs> So the the LSU defense guys lost Dave Aranda to Baylor, who has done nothing but not great at Baylor so far, which could be the fact that they haven't practiced. The team hasn't practiced for a full week in a row in like a month because of COVID. But but uh, LSU looks worse. <laughs> <laughs> him leaving looks way worse at LSU than him getting to Baylor. Him leaving yes. at LSU looks like he left and took all the good ideas and thoughts and play. The touchdown that Bo Nix threw to, oh gosh, what's his name? You can see Stove. Him. No, not Stove. Capers? Yes, Capers. The touchdown that Bo played through to Capers one. is the Bo, most. Bo Nix threw <laughs> Yeah. You said Bo, Bo Pelini. Sorry. The <laughs> that Bo Nix threw 
to Capers is the most wide open touchdown pass that I've ever seen in Auburn Tiger complete him out. <laughs> like it was a disrespectful amount of space <laughs> between him and the other and the defenders. And then you watch on replay, it wasn't a pick play. Seth Williams ran inside, but he didn't cross. He just it was he just ran inside. And mm. it just completely befuddled the LSU defenders, they had three guys guarding Seth Williams on that play, effectively, and nobody on capers. There were mm-hmm. there were two touchdowns Saturday that I literally thought I could have scored that touchdown. <laughs> that was one. Because I with nobody defending me, I can catch a pass. And the Tank Bigsby run where the offensive line cleared a mile in either direction and he walks he walks through just, just strolled in that was amazing i haven't seen i mean i i'm not the offensive line guru on the website but i haven't seen the auburn offensive line do something like that in a long time yeah was that the one where they were literally bending that defensive tackle backwards yes uh yeah i want to say it was what Brahms and manning were just laying into this guy Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this Auburn offensive line is against all odds turning into a decent unit. I mean, they're they're still going to struggle on pass black, but um, they're they're really making some holes for the running game and pairing that with uh, the running back talent Auburn's got, we might have something cooking. It seems that way. Yeah, definitely seems that way, and it, it man. It was, it was, I could not have picked a better game to actually go to. Uh, Rub it in there, Chief. It was, uh, it was amazing. (laughs) Uh, We had great seats. We were up in the upper deck, but we were like nine rows up. So we weren't, we weren't really high. We were high enough that we weren't on the the front rail, which yesterday or that day would have been fine because there wasn't really anybody behind us. Um, so we just we stood up the whole time, but we were we were on a rail above one of the the entries down in the concourse, and I, I had as much fun at that game as I've had in a long time, uh, and it w- would have been that way even if we hadn't blown them out. So, uh, but just being able to see everything from that angle, it was almost like watching it on TV live. So that was cool. And Jordan yeah. Hare is still there, everyone. <laughs> just, just so you know. So what is what is the in game experience like? Um, it was, uh, I mean, interesting. It was uh, we kept joking like it was it was a, our routine was just like when we go to a basketball game. Um, we we ba- pretty much left at to go at the same time as we went yeah. to a basketball game. We uh, tailgated in the uh, parking deck on the back of my. Uh, <laughs> my uh land cruiser like we would for a basketball game and um it it going there was weird like i'll say this the kids were not social distancing at all and when you were trying to get to your gate they would just like walk in huge groups right up on you which was uh (laughs) funny roving gangs of college kids yeah uh but i i wasn't you know i wasn't mad about it or anything um it uh that was interesting um 
just having all that space there, man. Like <laughs> I, I thought about it before, but actually being there, it was for sure true. Uh, if I could go to a game like that every time where I had that much space to just kind of spread out, uh, it would be awesome. Um, despite how not as loud the stadium was. And mm. it, it was really funny because I, I, we never really got a chance to know if it would ever even come close to being as loud because we were blowing them out so bad. Everybody, everybody's just kind of subdued. Like we'd score and it'd be like, Oh, we scored again. Was, was the loudest point just the collective groan when Seth fumbled that ball into the end zone? <laughs> yeah. Well, every, not everyone, uh, like live. I don't think everyone really noticed in the stadium that it was a fumble. Um, I thought it had gone out of bounds before it landed in the end zone. Um, before I ever, before I saw a replay. Um, On replay, it looked pretty obvious what what exactly had happened. Um, but no, because it was like, yeah, that that may have been when it got the loudest because everybody thought we'd scored. Um, I think the referees, like they have all season, got that one right. I really, I I think this. <laughs> They, I think they're they're doing an unbelievable job this year. They just keep nailing it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They are freaking unbelievable. <laughs> like, the hit the hit count is unreal. Batting a thousand over here. Mm-hmm. Um, I see. Let me ask you this question about. So you 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 sat next to your seatmate. Yeah, right. And uh, right. Can you? Make your chair louder. Is that possible? <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> it uh, it, it, so it was it was a little weird because they we had four seats and there were only two of us and we had only bought the two tickets, um, so we're not really sure why there were the four seats and we seemed to be the only people in that situation. Like if there were two people, there were usually only had the two seats. Yeah. Um, but and then there was a row behind us, and then someone else would be seated kind of off to your uh, left and right side on an aisle. But like eight, you. nine feet away from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was never, I never felt uncomfortable about how close I was to people. You didn't have to wear your mask in the seats um, because you were just next to your seatmate, and uh, especially with the wind whipping through there, the, the wind was a little rough. Uh, it was only like five to ten miles an hour, but it was constant. Uh, so, um, I mean, I felt relaxed. I, I felt, it felt like I w- had, it felt like I bought upper deck seats to, uh, uh, New Mexico state or somebody like that. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's uh, keep it in the same state, probably the same talent level. We'll say like ULM or something like that. Uh, sh- sure. Least, right. <laughs> uh, this, yeah. Was this Bo Nix's best game? One hundred percent. Like the statistics, right. the statistics make it look like it was his most efficient game by some metric. And then, like you know, I, from a feeling standpoint, I never—I don't think I've watched a game yet where he felt more in control, comfortable, not hair on fire as this game. Most I, of the time, I, um, he plays like his hair is on fire, and he has to get rid of this ball. Like Gus Malzahn needs to break me a piece off of that uh, 
uh, four and a half million dollars he's making this year. Just since I, since it was me, it's only me that suggested <laughs> just run we should, uh, we should play this way. <laughs> I I really think that uh, that you you nailed it, and I don't know. Like I don't know if any other podcast has done this, so we're the only podcast that has the courage and the foresight to go out on that limb and say that that Bo Nix is really just Nick Marshall 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we talked about it. Yeah, he's a uh, not. Uh, uh, he, He's not. Uh, Shark eyes is. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't want to call Nick soulless. Uh, that's not the <laughs> word. But uh, stone cold. Stone cold. Yeah. Nick Marshall is all. All you know about Nick Marshall is after the prayer in Jern Hare, him running down the field holding up two fingers to signal to go for two. Yeah. Like at no point celebrating. Not even like pumping a fist. Just <laughs> all right. Next play is we're going for two in here. Let's play. Like it didn't, it didn't even like, it didn't even register that that was an incredible thing that happened or a miracle. It was just, okay, that's six points. And now uh, the next thing to do is to go for two, to go up by more. It was, that's the Nick Marshall memory that I always have. Whereas the Bo Nix memory is the ball is snapped. And now this ball is now a bomb. And I have to figure out where where this bomb is going to not kill the most women and children. Where should it go? The ball is lava. <laughs> and also my offensive linemen are double agents. I think it's also what he thinks. <laughs> are they on my team? Who knows? Better stay away. <laughs> I think uh, Spencer Hall had an incredible uh, anal- analogy where he today he said that Bonix was comfortable and secure and was a minivan <laughs> that the Auburn family was riding a minivan all the way to victory again on Saturday. And that's, he looked as comfortable as he ever uh, has ever looked. Yeah. I, I, I legitimately, I, I'd never felt stressed out by his quarterback play on mm. Saturday. Uh, well, I, I put in my, um, uh, prediction, uh, for the site that uh, I felt like Bonex would play pretty good because he's better at home. So I think uh, <laughs> I think that counts as a pretty as a good. Win. Definitely was that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he he just about had that fourth touchdown. Uh, Seth doesn't fumble it, but yeah, eighteen for thirty-four, three hundred yards, eleven carries, eighty-one yards, and a touchdown. I mean, that's a Cam uh, Newton stat line. That's not that's not even a yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think rating-wise, it was technically the second best game behind the Mississippi State game last year. Mm. But uh, I think significantly more talent on the field, regardless of the defensive scheme uh, for LSU. Yes, I, I agree with that. Um, it was just, it, it was really shocking how badly we beat them. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, at least I thought, um, if we were going to do this to LSU, it was going to be because. Tank Bigsby had a Kenny Irons game. Right, right, you know, right, right. He's just going to run right through him. And they, they did a decent job. I mean, uh, 15 carries, 71 yards. And a lot of that um, was just because they wrapped him up, unlike anybody else so far. Right. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know if he broke any tackles at all in this not game. Not really. I, hit my, uh-huh. I remember hitting my brother midway through the third. And I was like, you can tell that LSU spent 
six days in practice going, number four is not going to beat us. Yeah. We are going to stop that dude. He is the key to Auburn's offense, and we are going to keep him bottled up. And they did, but they didn't account for literally 10 other people on the field. Like, <laughs> every everybody else went off besides Yeah, Tank. you would have thought Eli Stove was just some secret weapon that they had never seen on tape before. He's been here for 100 <laughs> years. He can tell you if Nick Marshall and, and Bo are the same, because I bet he caught passes from Nick Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Stove had a great. Was there anybody that had a bad game? Um, Kalen Newton had zero catches. I feel like so. I'm, I'm still waiting. He blocked pretty well. I'm still waiting on his first touchdown catch. I'm not sure Grant Loy had a great game. No, yeah, Grant Loy was pretty rough. Mark Anthony Richards didn't have, but but he had a game. We though. saw him. Proof of life. Proof of life was found on Saturday. <laughs> we know he is alive. I. I didn't have to ask for a Kim holding a copy of today's paper in the athletic facility. And we also maybe know why he hasn't been playing. Yeah. Yeah. He was fine. I mean, I, I think as you kind of realized Loy wasn't going to do anything. So right. He could, he could go all in on, on Richards. Uh, yeah. He came in and I think his first snap was returning a punt, mm-hmm. which either, either he didn't return it or just fair caught it or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we all kind of lost our minds when he first got on the field. You got his name in the paper. <laughs> in the box score. Uh, well, so what? what's one key play that stood out to you? I don't know if it's a key play, but finally connecting on a long shot. Oh, yeah. 91 yards shorts. I mean, it was satisfying at least. Yeah, that was that – was, Hopefully that, was that breaks it. the seal. We can do it some more. I think that put me over the top for the game yeah. for sure. It was uh, uh <sighs> that was Chiefs Vince McMahon falling back in his chair. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, because really, I mean, it was the defense that controlled this game for most of the first half. I mean, right. it was it was zero zero at the end of the first quarter. Um, the first quarter was not a good sport. I texted yeah, I was, 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 the group. I was like, "This is not good sports." Bad. Yeah, we wanted we wanted to say it was a oh classic Auburn LSU game, but no, it was just bad football. Yeah. Um, the the I went through the entire range of the uh, Vince McMahon um, yeah. in the chair, chair gif in the third quarter of the game when we <laughs> when we actually scored, and then we scored again, and then I think we scored again in yeah. the third quarter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it was Ferg saying on the Observer podcast from Sunday that Auburn. Of eight times that they touched the ball, so like possessions or um, defensive returns, whatever, eight times that Auburn touched the ball, they scored on seven of them. Wow. <laughs> From the end of the first half to the third quarter. So, I mean, when that happens, you, you kind of blow teams out. But, yeah. yeah. Um, I, everything went our way. Um, we got a pass rush. We, got, we shut down their number one receiver. Um, yeah, I mean, we, they didn't do anything on the ground. What was it, like two, two and a half yards per rush after you take sacks out? Uh, yeah, they weren't no, They weren't getting anything on the ground. It was... and, they, and they could have been better had Miles Brennan been healthy. I mean, that is part of it, but I don't think he's 37 points better. Nope, I don't believe, I don't believe that's... Uh... 
that's how that uh, works. They, you know, they pulled their first QB. What? Middle of the third quarter. Yeah, I, 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 that seems third. right. That seems right. Um, that poor guy. Uh, and this, the next guy was was not. He wasn't any better. So, yeah, uh, I, yeah. Most of his numbers against a third team defense. Uh, without without um, Joe Burrow, LSU went, reverted back to um, kind well, of the norm uh, under under Miles, where it's like, how how do you not have a quarterback at that school? Like, how do right. you not have a guy? Yeah, at that well, school, it, it's kind of like Texas too, where it's like you should probably just have a five star guy that's the best. In his state, that has been to, to their credit, Miles Brennan has been really, really good this year. Uh, I mean, just couldn't go in this game. Uh, yeah, but how do you not have another guy? Well, they're, they're freshmen, so like I feel like Alabama could have three guys get hurt and probably have another guy show up and play really well. Now we couldn't. Yeah. We we yeah, exactly. we showed we found that out Saturday that the most disconcerting part of that was once we went to the twos things were not pretty. Oh no, either side of the road. I think they were just saving Court Sandberg for later in the year. To be honest, mm, yeah. <laughs> Ryan's never going to give that one up. Got to bring in the lefty sometimes, but gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what about you, Crow? Uh, anything specific stand out? Well, I, the the, the Thoreau Schwartz up thirty eight gave me like flashbacks of old Gus. That like going for it, going for yeah. the throats, you know that that proving that we're not settling for a lead. Um, like After we, blowing three leads in a row at LSU, hopefully right. that was ingrained uh, at this point. I think I think that was that was nice, but I also like to me. The, the play that really stuck out was the Bo Nix keeping it and running it around the left end for a touchdown. Um, and I think that the CBS announcers did a good job, shocker, of <laughs> pointing out that Tank Bigsby wanted the ball, like, really bad. Like, yeah. to the point where he fell down because he was trying to take the ball because he thought he could score, but but the read was correct, and Bo Nix made the right read. Right. Um, on that play and then still and, and fought his way into the end zone. And why it stuck out to me was there are dudes who would have handed that ball off just because it's the right choice because it's Tank Bixby. Like it's yeah. never going to be wrong to give the ball to that dude two yards from the end zone. But the correct read is for him to keep it and go around left end and he did it and uh he scored, and he scored in a way that just showed a lot of fight. And I think that those kinds of plays will win the offensive line over to him more. Will win guys like Seth Williams and other receivers over to him more because Bo Nix showing that he's got a little bit of dog in him yeah. is the type of thing that coalesces a locker room. I think that was a huge play for the morale of the team. There was a couple times in this game where. You know, maybe last year, earlier this year, uh, Bo would have just, you know, run into trouble or, um, 
not been able to avoid a bad play. And then the touchdown, like you're talking about, was able to walk right in. There was there was another play, and I'm I'm drawing a blank on when, uh, where you know LSU had been the best pass rushing team in the SEC so far, got pretty good pressure on them, and instead of you know tucking his head and running into trouble, found his way out of the pocket and picked up 10, 15 yards. Um, he, he did that a couple times in this game, and. Um, if that's something that can be more consistent, like I said, that's that's going to go a long way towards winning the fans over, when when his teammates over. Um, yeah. It's the last two weeks have been against two of the worst defenses in the SEC, but mm-hmm. it feels like this might be a corner being turned. Yeah, you gotta you gotta start building that that momentum somewhere, yeah. and and you gotta build your confidence somewhere, and. Uh, Preferably, you do it against the teams that you need to beat because you're better than them, and and I think we're definitely better than LSU. Yeah. So, all right, let's do midpoint awards. Okay. There's not much left to talk about. We 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 beat the brakes off LSU. I beat the brakes off of them. Enjoy this. I'm glad we've got two weeks to just enjoy it. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, my favorite Auburn game I've ever been to in person was 2014 LSU, and and we we somehow beat that. In terms of offensive output, in terms of points scored, not in terms of yards, I don't think, but in terms of points scored, this game beat 14 LSU, which is tough. It's incredible. I, I was, I was. Uh, this is the first time I've seen a, the, this sort of beatdown of a uh, another SEC opponent from beginning to end, in which I remember it all. Uh, the last time, 2014 LSU, I uh, was. Um, I didn't make it into the game till um, sometime in the second quarter. So, do you struggle with the uh, sixteen Arkansas game? Uh, sixteen Arkansas. Where was I? That, that was the like five hundred rushing yards game. That game was amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, I was there. I was there. Okay, no, I, I remember that. That was awesome. Yeah. So, who's our who's your midpoint MVP? So we've already gone through half the season, guys. Yeah. For better or for worse. That, we're six games in. Yeah, yeah we're six games in. But well, better, we're playing, you know, we're five gonna, weeks get time to do it. It's not it's not uh it's not the midway through the season and we're gonna make the playoff, right? It's well, on the board. Yeah, I guess so. Then we got we got uh, seven more games left. We need we need LSU to beat Alabama this weekend, which <laughs> and uh, then uh, and then we gotta beat Alabama. And then we're in the playoff, I believe, is how that works. Okay. All right, what if we well, stub our toe against Tennessee? Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, ugh. we better destroy Tennessee. Who's your MVP. Who's your midpoint oh. MVP on offense, Chief? Tank. Yeah, I think that's hundred percent. I think that's a consensus. <laughs> that's probably yeah. a consensus on the show. Yeah, I mean Seth, Seth Williams has been good a lot of time, a lot of points this year, but it was when you realized that Tank was as advertised that you could run the offense through them yeah. that kind of fixed all the problems. This yeah. is a, as a, as a basketball fan, there is a distinct difference between best player and most valuable player. And mm-hmm. I think that, uh, I think that, I think that Seth Williams is the best player on the team personally, mm-hmm. best in terms of this is a, most, this is a professional most football talent. player playing yeah, for yeah, us right now. Talented. Yeah, for sure. And, but I think tanks the most valuable player by, Leaps and bounds. Um, 
Because you can't like run your offense through your best receiver because that's pretty easy to take away. Um, defense, Ryan. Uh, Zacoby McLean, I think is he's got to be the best answer. Uh, he's you know KJ Britt went out what the Georgia game with his injuries and McLean has kind of came in. He was already part of the starting rotation with linebackers, but now that there's no depth there, he's played pretty much every snap every game and. You know, leads the team in tackles. He he's everywhere. You know, he's he's rushing the passer, stuff stuff in the run. Um, he's been outstanding this year. Yeah, I agree with that. I I'd uh, I'd like to uh, give a honorable mention to uh, Derek Hall, who had a great game against mm-hmm. uh, LSU this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's coming on strong, and 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 I like to see that. But yeah, McLean seems to be the guy that's really stepped up on defense. I think I agree with Ryan. I, I'm going to go, yeah, with McLean as well, but I'm going to say <laughs> that uh, Christian Tut, a.k.a. the Bo Nicks of the defense, in terms of <laughs> some games you're like, well, this guy, I don't know what this guy's doing. And the other games you're like, well, he's incredible. Um, he had a huge game Saturday with the scoop and score. Um, I like that he's not returning punts anymore. Mm. But you and me both. But I really think he he acquitted himself well on Saturday, and uh, touchdowns cover up a multitude of sins on defense. If you ask me, it's true. Sure do. All right, and uh, midpoint most improved player, Ryan. Who do you think is the most improved player uh, on offense? I think it's got to be Alec Jackson. Uh, we gave him a lot of grief earlier in the year about. You know, not looking like a SEC left tackle. Um, and pass rush was just kind of eating Bo up. And um, seemed like the last couple weeks, specifically in this LSU game, uh, like we said, it's, they've been the best pass rush in the SEC at this point. And Bo Nix had no sex. Um, it's by far his best game. Uh, he's He's come a long ways from – you know, in the Georgia game, we were all kind of thinking, why is this guy on the field? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, you know, he's, he's not the best lineman out there right now, but uh, I'm getting more and more comfortable with him every week. Yeah, I, uh, again, Ryan, I think you're, you're spot on. A, a guy that just didn't look like he even maybe belonged on the field mm. uh, the first little while and has has grown into his role. Um Another Ronnie Garner success story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who, by the way, uh, won uh, 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 the 247 Sports Award of Position Coach of the Week or something like that. <laughs> I saw earlier today. Oh, that and 50 Cent's buying him a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, exactly. 50 Cent's not buying him coffee. I know. But that's, the, that's the saying, Ryan. Um, oh, I thought you meant the person. So, <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> I, I think I got Xavion Capers as my most improved offensive player. He played really well Saturday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Early parts of the year, he, he did things that I didn't understand. But <laughs> Fair enough. But, uh, yeah, the last couple of weeks, he's played pretty darn good football, I think. Yeah. Who wins coolest name out of, these, out of these guys? Xavion oh, Capers is pretty sweet. Xavier Capers, Zacoby McLean, yeah, and then Alec, who I'm sure Alec, it was named after uh, Sir Alec Guinness. Oh, I thought uh, Alec, maybe Alec so. Trebek. <laughs> he's he's Alex. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think he's named after Alec, aka 006 from the movie and video game Goldeneye. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trevelyan. Yeah, Alec Trevelyan. <laughs> Ryan Goldeneye was a video game. Hey, for I, I played Goldeneye. Come on. <laughs> Um, who's your defensive most improved player? Uh, I think it's going to be Nehemiah Pritchett. Um, oh, we yeah. were all real excited with Jalen Simpson uh, after the Kentucky game, and he got hurt. Uh, secondary struggled a lot with him out. Um, Pritchett kind of being a guy that was getting picked on. Um, but you had the interception in this game, which I mean, that was just an awful pass straight to Pritchett. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Auburn's really kind of shut down two – really good passing offenses the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is Pritchett getting more comfortable, which I don't know. I think you kind of alluded to this when we were all very mad about the season earlier about this is a weird year. Guys that, you know, they, they didn't get spring practice. They got a weird messed up fall practice. Um, some guys may not be ready early that can come on really strong. And um, that's what we're seeing right now with, with, uh, Jackson or Pritchett, I think. Every team but two, I would say, looks like that right now. The start of the mm-hmm. season, every team that started the season when Auburn did, except for two, looks like this. Like Mississippi State looks way worse. Well, yeah. But every team looks like, wow, did they not practice? I think, I think we're seeing the importance not only of spring practice, but also of a consistent fall camp and like knowing – what the plan is like knowing, all right, we got this team this week. We got this team next week because like, turns out winging it does not work well with football. No, unless you are Alabama or Clemson and you've got 750 staff members who've been watching tape on every team, just in case you, your schedule shifts. And now you play that team first game of the season. Like Auburn wasn't prepping an sec schedule start to start the year week one. No, it was prepping Alcorn state. Yeah was the thought. And then all of a sudden it's got a whole new schedule with a whole new, unless you've got 750 analysts out there prepping all these things, you, you're going to look like this. Or unless you're Lane Kiffin where you only prepared for Alabama. Uh, One game season, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you showed up to talk trash and chew bubble gum and you ran out of bubble gum. <laughs> He's just talking trash, man. Like he literally just sits, wakes up, talks trash all day. Coaches a game doesn't matter what happens because it's year zero for him. He's just going to he when when Saban retires, it will be because Lane Kiffin drove him out of the conference. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> and then Lane well, Kiffin tra- goes and takes the Jets job. Like just, bah, I don't even care. Yeah. I got my job. My job is done. <laughs> he did wish uh, his former uh, employer a uh, happy birthday this last week or over the weekend. I'm not sure if you saw that. No. Chief, what's your favorite play of the season so far? Um, was it the spike against Arkansas? Mine might be. No, I'm going to say it was uh, when uh, Seth big boyed that guy against uh, <laughs> against Kentucky and, and flexed on him. Yeah. And he mossed him. That, that was – so great. I'm probably going to give Bo Nix the cam belt. Um, I haven't written it yet because I'm still sitting here thinking like, well, maybe not. Like that play is still the 
best single play disrespectful play of the season. It was so disrespectful and so good. Like nothing is even coming close to that. Shouts out to Sean Shivers. First play of the LSU game this week, just leveling a, another LSU defender. Oh, yeah. I love CBS all the racing. Oh, yeah. Remember this play from the Iron Bowl? <laughs> I love Sean Shivers because he is. He doesn't know how small he is. Yeah, he is a. He has no idea. He, no one has ever told him, apparently, that he is not 6'3, 250 pounds. No, I think it's the other way around. I think everyone has told him that. <laughs> yeah. He said he doesn't care. He's like, oh, okay. Well, all right. Get I'm sure way. you were to show your 6'3", 200 pounds. He, he's becoming one of my favorite players, and I think that Auburn's using him in really cool ways as a change of pace yeah. from Tank. Yeah. And he, he started the game again um, this week. and I guess he's going to be the official starter going forward. And yeah. And Tank will just come in and carry handle most of the – Carry the water. Do most of the heavy lifting – but, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, excited. We got a, excited got for, off week. for an off week. We'll be back next week to talk, probably talk basketball. Yeah, get to marinate in this. Yeah, we're – Hopefully uh, we'll get a schedule here soon. Yeah, we're 20 uh, – as we record this, 23 days uh, from a supposed basketball season, a purported mm-hmm. basketball season. Alleged. Alleged basketball season. Yeah. Uh, um. Hopefully we'll get to see a few games. Uh, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what the schedule is going to be like. Are we going to play these four games in November and then not play again until January? Like, what, what's going to go on with that? Um, I mean, I'm really excited about that. We got that to hopefully – hopefully that will come out this week while we don't have any football going on. Um, and and we can soak up a win, soak that up too. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got another uh, episode of The Mandalorian. We'll have two episodes of The Mandalorian before Auburn plays football again. How about that? Next time Auburn plays football, it'll be Masters weekend. Mm. Oh, that's right. It's big It's big. Uh, big around these parts. Not not in this house, but uh, yeah. uh, in that one there. And, uh, and Josh Dubbs. Not in this house. Well, we'll have to pull I'll a game day it. and bring in Josh Dubb to talk some uh, talk some golf with us. It's one week. of my only. It's one of the only golf tournaments that I will watch a little bit of. I'll pay attention to it. I, I'm not. I'm not anti golf. Uh, my. I, my, I'm really curious to see what Augusta looks like in November as opposed to yeah uh, April. I'm sure, it'll be beautiful. Yeah, I mean, they, there's all kind of stories already about how how they're trying to get the azaleas to bloom right now. Like they've been growing them. In oh yeah, yeah. Off-site location and greenhouses and to bloom at just the right time. Um, yeah, it's wild. It's going to be a treat, I think. That is hilarious that they would go through that trouble, but of course they would. Yeah, it's I mean, look good. The economy didn't probably affect them. Oh, oh no. <laughs> hey, they they gave people jobs. Sure. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we will see y'all next week. Oh no.